Welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga, a podcast for the body, heart, and mind. And Carrie Marino is back again to talk with us about ways type 7, 8, and 9 can befriend their body. But I promise, even if you're not one of those numbers, you're going to be able to relate to what we're talking about. But also, um, I wanted to let you guys know that Kat and I are teaming up with the Never Perfect podcast, which is uh, hosted by Beth Capici. She's a psychologist uh, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we're going to offer a workshop on Saturday, September the 17th at Adele's Crapery on the South Side, and it's going to be about how to understand yourself and others through the Enneagram. If you're interested in signing up for that, just go to eventbrite.com, and in the search box, you can type in Enneagram, Um, and then City Chattanooga, and we will pop up if you scroll down. So I hope that you will uh, think about attending that workshop and joining us if you live in this area. But if you don't live in this area, Carrie Marino, our guest today, has some amazing virtual workshops. And so you can join from anywhere in the world or in in the city of Chattanooga or the country And she is phenomenal. And I just highly commend you to her workshops. So think about that. Um, Two options for you there. Uh, You can go to carriemarino.com to check out her workshops. And again, eventbrite.com to check out this upcoming workshop that Kat and I are very excited about. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks for being a valued listener. We appreciate you tuning in and being a part of the self-work, self-growth that we find in the Enneagram. All right, let's move to our seven, who is our adventure-seeking optimist. And for sevens, um, sometimes literally they are out of their body almost, and all they need is to get grounded, again, in a literal sense. Put your feet on the grass, touch, touch the creek and the pebble, you know, lay down on your back, just getting grounded, getting still is very important for a seven to keep balance. So me, if you can get grounded and still, that would get you in touch with, with the body that is your home, which would create more positivity around it. And also I think for a seven, the struggle is constant uh, with not wanting to be with pain. And that um, extends not just emotional pain, but also physical pain. And um, nobody loves to be in pain. And everybody has different thresholds to pain. But what sevens could tend uh, to do is, in their effort to not be in any painful space, physically included, they would want to um, uh, mask it with something else, Um, whether it is... I don't know, chocolate or wine or shopping or whatever, just to kind of numb it and not be in it. So Carrie, what would you suggest to your clients who tend to go to the numbing strategies just to kind of not be in their body, whether it's feeling optimal or not? Yeah. So the number one strategy that I would encourage them to to work on is self-awareness. And earlier I was talking about body-specific awareness, but 
now the whole self in terms of all those different layers of the self kind of pulling back and seeing this bigger picture of who they are. A little bit of backstory, I had eating disorders for a long time and definitely was a person who would gravitate towards numbing strategies. And I've worked with people for a long time who experienced this now and they're recovering from it. And one thing I've learned about working with this type of person is that first off, those behaviors, eating disorders or numbing strategies, they're actually a sign of a really adaptive mind that got very creative for dealing with their emotional pain and trauma. So I want to celebrate the part of them that said, here's a way for me to get through it and name that it doesn't have to be like that forever, right? Those tools and skills that they developed are not the only ones that they can develop. And when we first start to bring awareness into the shadow self, it can be really uncomfortable, but we get better at it over time. There's more ease around it. We have more skills. We're more resilient as things rise up, but that is sometimes a pretty uncomfortable journey for people to walk on. So in order to be able to face their difficult feelings, we need to be aware of our thoughts. We need to bring more consciousness into our behaviors and our choices so that we can create better aligned skills to meet them. And we've got to be willing to purposefully choose to turn towards rather than away from. I absolutely love it. You know, the thing about Enneagram, and I think a lot of people get it wrong, Enneagram type is not determined by your actions. It's determined by the motivation for your actions, how you, how you behave, how you handle life, how you handle people outside of you, in you, all of that. So that catching the motivation, what, why am I doing this, I think is the key to switching it up. Don't you think? If the motivation is not serving you, obviously. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people beat themselves up because they have a numbing strategy that they go to. Because I don't know anybody that is living a conscious life who's like, yes, I just binge ate some cookies to make myself feel better. And I feel good about that. Like that's not their preference to go that route but it is their adaptive brain creating a solution to a problem. They have a difficult feeling. This is a way to feel better. So being able to celebrate that part of them is highly creative. It is totally wanting to help them out. So how do we just shift the paradigm so that then doing that work with the shadow self becomes a really rewarding process for them and an option for them. So now it's a huge transformation for me to go from the person who was really enmeshed in eating disorders to like, I had a very deep tragic loss that happened in my life last year. And I was able to meet that all the way. Like, let's feel every feeling, let's show up all the way. And I don't say that to toot my own horn, but it's, it's what's possible is we can get to a place where like, yes, I want to grow. All right, let's feel it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do think that reminding our listeners that um, when we find ourselves numbing, that our adaptive brain has been creative is helpful. 
it, it, it feels like it's a way of being gracious and gentle with yourself. But then there's also an and or a but. But, you know, here's some work that we can do so that we're not stuck in this, this pattern that's become a way of coping. Um, and I would say that, you know, the last loss that I went through um, was my dad died during COVID. And between COVID and my dad dying and having a new baby, I actually didn't deal very well. I, even though I feel like I'm a fairly self-aware person who's caring for my mind, body, and spirit, it was just a new baby, COVID, my dad's death. It felt like it was, it was a lot. And I, and I still did well, but I, I did a lot of numbing. I guess I would just say that I did a, a lot of numbing through food um, and through just kind of shutting down and not always utilizing the practices that, you know, like yoga, because um, yoga is a daily practice for me right now. But during that period, it, it was hard because we couldn't go to yoga classes in person. And there were ways that it was hard for me um, to find um, to fight that need to numb in previous ways that I had. And so I kind of went back to old ways of coping and regressed a little bit. Um, and so I just want to say that, that sometimes, you know, when we are um, dealing with many major difficulties, we do regress. And uh, give yourself some grace because that, you know, you, you can find your way back. Because now I'm I'm finding my way back and I'm, I'm not doing the numbing as much, but um, it was hard. So, and yeah, so we, sometimes we go back there, but then we can, we can also move out of that through intentional yeah. work. Yeah. And sometimes numbing and disassociation is really necessary. Yeah. You know, like it's like the difference of total collapse or being able to stay functional. And I think being able to give ourselves permission to have that word and in there, I need to numb, I need to disassociate, and I'm going to do it in ways that don't absolutely obliterate the way I want to live my life. Mm -hmm. And I will eventually get to this when I have the safety, when I have the support, when I feel ready. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and I think that for me as a two, it was also reaching out for help that was part of moving myself out of that numbing because, you know, like I've said before on the podcast right now, because, you know, we've got a lot going on in our lives. I have a couple's therapist, I have a therapist, I have a spiritual director and I have an Enneagram coach. So I would encourage people, even if they already have a therapist, to reach out to you or somebody like you if they're going through a really hard time especially if you're a two, because receiving help, of course, any number could benefit from all these things, but receiving help um, and minimizing our own needs is something that twos do quite a bit of. Um, but yeah, we, um, we need one another on this journey, don't we? <laughs> we do. <laughs> well, let's look at the eight. So the eight needs to learn how to soften in their body, how to relax, a lot of times people um, who experience an eight or are in a room with an eight can just feel an eight's energy. And that can be positive in some ways, but it can also, if an eight's not doing the softening work, it can feel intense to other people or even intimidating to other people. Um, so things like bubble baths, yoga, especially more 
restorative types of yoga, restorative yoga, yin yoga. I went to a gentle yoga class this morning and I definitely felt myself soften in that class, right? These types are really good for eights. Massage would be another way that an eight could soften. But eights do tend to work really long hours. Um, and so they need to listen to their body when it needs rest or food or sleep. And they're going to be their best self when they become more like a two. So they're learning to be affectionate through holding hands, hugging, snuggling, things like that. Um, but I'd love for you to talk a little bit about softening because often as yoga teachers, we invite people to soften, right? But not everybody may know what we mean by that, to relax or to soften in our body. So what does this mean to soften or relax in the body? And why is this beneficial to our bodies? Yeah. So I think honestly, a lot of people have no freaking idea what it means to soften their body until mm -hmm. they've been trained on how to do this. And one of the styles of yoga that I specialize in is restorative yoga. And really that is an entire system of yoga that teaches people the skills of self-relaxation. So softening, how I would define it is we're relaxing our nervous system, we're able to release tension, and we're truly letting go of some of our control. Softening has to do with our ability to receive. So it's really important to learn how to relax our body because most people, if you look at nervous system patterns, are walking through life in a sort of hyper aroused state. They're predominating in that fight, flight, or freeze state. And this isn't an ideal place to spend our lives. We're supposed to be able to activate that part of our nervous system and then down-regulate into parasympathetic and have this sort of up and down shifting of our nervous system all throughout the day. So when we consciously create that skill of softening, it can help regulate our nervous system, which helps with our overall health and well-being, physically and mentally, and so much more. And it feels good to receive once we've developed the threshold to figure out how do I like to receive? Who do I want to receive from? You know, all of those particulars about your boundaries around it and then manifesting the kind of receiving that you want. Hmm. I love that. Thank you. Well, I guess I'm going to round it off, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to um, talk a little bit about, as always, last but not least, number nine, who is our uh, mediator and peacemaker. So the thing about the nines are they would tend to put everybody's needs, wants, goals, perspectives ahead of their own. They're the most accommodating, they're the most laid back, they're most welcoming. A lot of time um, at a price of forgetting about themselves or putting themselves so far behind the line that they never get to themselves. Um, on top of that, um, they tend to be slothish at times. So really kind of hard to giddy up and maybe there's some goals, but they never kind of get started on them or never finish them and things like that. So Carrie, what would you recommend for a person like that 
to kind of embody more assertiveness in, in their body and voice, um, to find more strength in their body and voice, and to put themselves first, their body first, not just forget about it. Yeah, I think that specifically using their voice. So if they're a yoga practitioner chanting, and if they're not a yoga practitioner, or even if they just want skills beyond that one, singing can be really helpful. Saying out loud, even if it's just to themselves, their wants and needs and acknowledging them vocally, like they want to audibly use their voice to say them. So sometimes people that are clients of mine that this is a growth area, I have them when they're riding around in their car, they check in and they say out loud what they want in that moment in a non-judgmental way. But speaking a little bit about the science behind chanting for the yoga practitioners, when we chant, we're doing an energy medicine practice on ourselves it's really helping us to become more empowered because we're using our voice. And as we're chanting, we're generally chanting Sanskrit mantra, and that's connecting us to this higher power. Another non-singing or chanting or, or, or speaking option would be to practice Brahmari pranayama. And this is a form of breath work where you inhale through your nose and exhale through your nose but you let out a humming sound as you exhale. And that can be helpful too. For folks who might be intimidated by chanting and because it is in Sanskrit and there's a lot of words and there seems to be a rhythm to it and everybody seems to know what they're doing except for the, you know, we're doing it for a second time would you do you have a recommendation for either a really simple chant or maybe an artist that you gravitate to I know there's there's a ton or could singing substitute as a beginning of a chant kind of like get you introduced into the chanting room yeah so I think this really goes back to the responsibility of the yoga teacher. So if they're going to offer a chanting practice to a non-advanced student, they have a responsibility to explain why we're chanting, how, you know, for example, saying this is not about sounding really pretty. Not everybody has the best voice in the room. And this is about all of you using your voice. It's not about getting the perfect pitch or tone. It's about tapping into the meaning in the chant. So I think that offering some explanation rather than just tossing it out there without any is really important as a yoga teacher. Also explaining exactly what we're having people chant because people have very different perspectives on religion and what they're comfortable with and spirituality. Some people have religious trauma. And chanting in Sanskrit, we need to tell people what these words mean so that they feel very comfortable with what they're doing. So I usually start people off with breath work. So just getting them comfortable activating their breath. And then sometimes I'll do the Brahmari Pranayama so they get used to making sound. Because sometimes just the thought of making sound in a room where other people can hear you is really terrifying for people. And Brahmari feels less intimidating. And then giving them space to chant or not chant. You don't have to. 
You can if you want to, you can listen. Om is a great starting point. It means energy, so it's pretty neutral. Pretty much everybody can get down with the fact that energy lives in me and in you and in that tree out my window and in the caterpillar who's gonna turn into a butterfly, right? It's there around us. In terms of can a song be substituted with a chant, there are different therapeutic values. So chanting has a really specific upaya, a specific remedy from the yoga tradition. Specific chants have certain therapeutic application and they have a different vibrational aspect because many of these chants are thousands of years old. So we're tapping into the collective of that. Songs can also be really helpful, but they don't have, it's not like an equal to sort of thing, if that makes sense. They're, yeah. they're different. But I often encourage people if they have a song that feels really good to them to turn that on loud and sing their heart out in the car. And that's really powerful also. Mm, I love that. And I think it's all about, because I've, I am the person who really get timid with chanting because I don't think my voice is good enough and I pronunciation is not correct. You know, all the non-perfect things that I focus on, give me the reason not to chant. But I, I had a teacher and I, I, it took me forever to even ohm because again, everybody's so beautiful and mine is like a goat oming. <laughs> and I had a teacher say, you know what, Kat, why don't you do it silently? You say the ohm, you create the vibration, but don't make it audible. And you know, it did the trick for the longest time. I would ohm inside and that gave me confidence to ohm verbally where everybody else could hear, including myself. And that was a stair step to being able to chant, blah, 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 blah. So what I think, uh, you know, for our listeners, a lot of things, if you're not a yoga practitioner or if you have never chanted before, all of those things could tend to be intimidated. So either start small or seek help from somebody who is an expert in that, who can kind of hold your hand throughout the process and introduce you in an intelligent, sustainable way. Yeah. Thank you for that. I think for me, I think whether it's singing or chanting or humming, I think they're really important for all of us, whether we're nine or not, at finding our voice, right? I, I really do think that's a great practice. The nine more than any other number though, because the needed childhood message is your presence matters. And we could easily say your voice matters because they can tend to be meek and quiet and just kind of fit into a room but be kind of quiet. And I can relate to that, even though I'm not a nine, um, that's my second highest number, like when I took the mm -hmm. test early on. And so there were times in my life where I've been shy, when I've been withdrawn and quiet and didn't use my voice. And um, so, yeah, so starting with whether that's the silent ohm mm -hmm. or whatever, just starting to find your voice. Yeah. It's so important to becoming, you know, a stronger person, but also a more embodied person. And, and also just listening to those vibrations when we ohm and feeling how they're healing our bodies. It's pretty powerful. So, okay, well, we want to um, ask you, you've been such a champ. Thank you for being here. But we want to ask you, are you, do you like a Jerry Springer sort of moment? Do you have any last thoughts 
about body positivity, body image, uh, last words to share with us that have been important on your own journey of healing your body, loving your body, befriending your body. Yes. Something that I, I want to just shout from the rooftops is the truth that we are all born into a society and a culture that makes it very hard to love and accept our bodies. And it's not just here in the United States, it's in other countries as well. Contributing factors to this are the, the way that we're raised, you know, the language and examples that we have of people relating to their body as we're growing up, the media, diet culture, consumerism, the beauty industry, patriarchy, I mean, you name it. There's so many things that are impacting the way that we wake up and feel about our body that most of us are completely unaware of. So it's really easy to say, I want to feel more positive about my body, but making that choice alone is not going to do it. We have to be willing to look at that larger picture and dismantle and deprogram ourselves and heal the wounded parts of us, and then learn how to write our own story when it comes to our body, rather than just this, this sort of what we learned as we came up in the world. So in my own journey, I also want to share that I've had to do some pretty intense healing work to get to the places where I am with my body now. It's easy to look at, like you were talking about earlier, Christy, it's easy to look at somebody and say like, oh, they were just born with these abilities, but that's not been my journey. I didn't come into the world loving my body. I, I mean, my body image issues started very young, like six years old. So I've had to do a lot of healing work I've had to look into my past, mental, emotional, and sexual abuse. I've had to explore all of these bigger things, the imprint of trauma that needed to be healed, let go of, and validated as part of that process of learning how to appreciate my body and feel good in the body that I have as it changes, because my journey has also led me through pregnancy and postpartum and <laughs> the ride there. As we peel back those layers, as we do that healing work, we become more free each time. We become more liberated in our bodies. We feel better in our bodies. We feel like the body that we're living in is ours to move through the world with. Without all those outside influences weighing us down or informing our view, um, I feel like people stand in the mirror and they hear the echo in their mind of all of that shit. I hope it's okay for me to say shit. And like, we've got to let that go. We got to burn all that down. <laughs> so we yeah. can feel true body acceptance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, it is so important to look at our own stories and when they started about the body and um, maybe even to do like a free association writing exercise where you just write, what is your story of the body? And when you write, you don't have to put any punctuations down. You don't have to be perfect. You're just writing on the paper, maybe not even removing your pen from the paper as you write to examine your story of the body, which could, in, could also include your family story of the body, because the narrative of 
the generation before us informs our own view of our body as well. And so I think what, you know, you said so many wise, important things um, as you were talking about your own story, but that self-examination is a real important part of healing, being aware of our own story, but also the stories that have gone before us that have informed how we see our body. And then, like you said, writing a new narrative and being very intentional to kind of say, no, this story of the body is one that I don't want that will not serve me, but this is the story that I'm going to claim. And it's a lot of work. So yeah, but there's liberation and healing in that. Um, thank you for your wisdom. Thank you, Carrie. And for our listeners on our website, we will include your website and all the handles for Instagram, Facebook, etc. cetera. Um, but I would want you to repeat them um, to our listeners um, before we finish up today and also mention any workshops, virtual or in person or any coaching sessions that you might have in the works or coming up down the pipe. But before all that, before we started taping, I promised you a silly question. So <laughs> here's your off the wall, has nothing to do with body image, yoga, Enneagram, or anything. Do you have a show that the last show on TV or any kind of uh, streaming services that you binge watched? I mean, you checked out a life because you had to watch it in its entirety. And mm. if you don't have it, you can share a book that you couldn't put down the last one yeah I do enjoy tv and I recently watched pin 15 on hulu Ooh, and that? I grew up in the 90s right so witnessing those girls becoming teenagers and like aol and dial-up internet and all those things that were a part of my teenage years I enjoyed it thoroughly but there was also this realness to it. You saw them have their first sexual experiences. You saw them struggle with body image. I mean, it was just, I found it to be a very captivating, real flashback into the 90s. <laughs> Thank you. I'll check it out tonight. So it's called Pen 15? It's called Pen 15. Yeah. On Hulu. Now tell us about any workshops, any sessions, any any offerings that you might have coming up, and um, can you also repeat one more time how our listeners can get a hold of you if they want to? Yes. So ongoing, all year round, virtual and in person, I offer yoga therapy and spiritual life coaching, and this is really designed for people who feel stuck in some way and they're ready to do healing work, and they want to grow. So they're at that point where they're, maybe they don't know what to do, but they know something's got to change, and they want it to be an integrative approach like yoga can offer. I also have the Befriend Your Body course that's available online. People can sign up anytime. It's self-paced, and it really takes people on a healing journey of deprogramming, dismantling, writing a new story and skills development so they can really become more free and empowered in their bodies. I have a restorative yoga series that launches in actually just less than two weeks. It's called Restful Night. It's like eight o'clock on Sunday nights, 45 minutes of restorative practice. It's going to be really sweet and, and lovely to have that committed time to show up for ourselves. 
And then for anybody in person in the Greenville area, I have a multitude of different in-person group yoga therapy programs that are launching this fall. I have a women's retreat in the winter. So there's lots of good stuff that I'm playing with. Great. Congratulations and Godspeed. That's fantastic. And we're so thrilled for you and for those who you're able to touch whether they need help physically, mentally, emotionally, or just learning how to get in touch with themselves to start with. Thank you. It feels good to do, to be able to, to be of service in the way that I feel called to. And uh, your other question, people can find me at carrymarino.com. That's K-E-R-I-M-A-R-I-N-O.com. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook at the same handle. It's just Carrie R. Marino. Great. Thank you, Carrie. And I know just from personal experience of talking to people who have consulted with you and have, um, have had to as a coach, glowing reviews. So I would highly recommend anybody to see Carrie one-on-one or to try some of her workshops. Um, you're, you're making a difference. Uh, you truly are living out that helper in such a positive way. I mean, you are a giver, a helper, and um, the, the nurturing wisdom that you offer is changing the world and many individual lives. And so thank you for that. And again, Kat and I are going to recommend you to many people, but um, we're just grateful for your time today. Thank you, Carrie. Thank, thank you. you. It's been a joy to be with y'all today, for sure. And I appreciate you saying those things. After this word from our sponsor, stay tuned for a meditation led by Kat Smith. Hello, everyone. Kat Smith here, and I welcome you to join me in a short meditation. And today I invite you to join me in doing a little bit of self-reflection about physical triggers that you may or may not be struggling with. So this is something that um, I started doing not that much that long ago and I've done meditation for a long time although I've always said it is a little bit of my Achilles heel but this particular technique has really helped me get very aware of what triggers me but not on the necessarily emotional level but on the physical one so um, I invite you to try and perhaps you would really enjoy it. So we will start by sitting comfortably anywhere that you wish. It doesn't have to be on the floor, although if you do sit on the floor, consider sitting on a pillow so you can elevate the hips to be in line with your knees or slightly higher. You can also sit with your back against the wall for extra support. You don't have to cross your knees. You can have your legs extended comfortably in front of you. If sitting on the floor is not quiet your jam, consider sitting on a couch or on a chair as long as you're able to maintain postural integrity and feel relaxed and able to sustain the posture that you're taking for a couple of minutes, anything goes. So as you take your seat, go ahead and invite stillness in your body. Consider softening your gaze or closing your eyes. 
Relax the arms on your knees or your thighs and begin to notice the breath. Inhaling slowly through the nose, exhaling slowly from the nose or mouth. Continue taking slow breaths. And then I invite you to think about the day that you've had. Think about what you felt was triggering you today. Bring that event, that occurrence, that experience to the front of your mind. Imagine yourself being back there. And now ask yourself a question, what's happening in my body? What do you feel and where? Continue to breathe. Now ask yourself, how do I know I'm uncomfortable? What gives you the signal that you feel discomfort in your physical body? Now ask yourself, is my heart rate going up? And perhaps you place one hand on your chest so you can feel the beat of your heart. Do I have muscle tension? Am I breathing faster? And if you notice you are starting to breathe faster, can you slow the pacing of the breath? Slower inhales, slower exhales. Do I have pressure in my head? Do I notice an urge to shut down or get away? Continue to breathe deeply. Notice how every exhale gives you an opportunity to relax any tension that you may feel in your body to ease the discomfort, to step away from feeling numb or tense, to slow the heart rate down. So not only is it important to self-regulate, it's also very important to know when you need to do it. Let's all take a full inhale through the nose. Gently open mouth, exhale the air out. And if that felt good, do it a couple more times. Deep breath in, empty and breath out. Thank you for joining me. I wish you a wonderful, blessed day.